sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We provided Russia an ample window of time to mend its ways and for Russia to honor its commitment. Russia has refused to take any steps to return real and verifiable compliance over these 60 days. The United States will therefore suspend its obligations under the INF Treaty. The White House says State of the Union address will be one that focuses on unity and bipartisanship. But the president on Friday did not sound like he wants to extend an olive branch to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Well, he certainly will address the border wall, but also national security and border security, immigration overall. This is an address to the nation, but he's in the chamber in front of the Congress that has failed to do its job for any number of years, if not decades, on getting us an immigration plan in this country that, of course, secures our southern border. And now, Stacey Washington. Yeah, and now... Here I am, I'm back again, and I'm so excited to be back after our interview yesterday with Governor Huckabee. We have another fantastic guest on for you today. It is Corey Lewandowski. He was the campaign manager for the Trump campaign and is now an author and a political analyst, and he's going to join us and talk about the State of the Union, which is incoming, gird your loins. Also, not to be outdone, Maxine Waters is begging Americans not to watch. Now, We all suspected openly here on the show that there may be a reason why people would possibly not want Democrats, not want Republicans to uh, have the State of the Union. People on the left don't want the president addressing the nation from the well of Congress, talking about the problems at the southern border and touting his accomplishments for the year. Um, That records jobs numbers from last Friday, um, blasting through expectations uh, it, it's it's kind of phenomenal. And so he's going to be talking about that, too. So today on the show, we are going to be talking about God answering prayer and why we have to keep on praying and asking. Uh, the Democrats actually had one of theirs vote uh, to basically leave some states the availability of having infanticide on the books as a viable option for terminating a baby. Notice I didn't say pregnancy. I said a baby. That's a baby on both sides of the womb. But for the semantics that we're currently engaging in, thanks to the Supreme Court uh, and Democrats, we have to delineate whether or not a baby is born. An unborn baby gets to be killed. A a baby that's been born, well, you know, it's supposed to have the same rights. That little human being is supposed to have the same rights as you or I, the right not to be murdered, the right not to be left to die, the the right not to be treated like a piece of property. Um, So we're going to be working through that and looking at, what we can do to, we we have to pray about that. We have to keep our minds really clear and focused on praying about the things that are facing our country. And we're also going to talk about the extreme week that the Democrats had last week. And it's one of those subjects, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we often talk about abortion as it weaves its way in and out of the news because there are always laws, lawsuits, regulations, et cetera, always things happening for that subject matter. But for Americans who don't listen to conservative radio, they don't uh, listen to Christian radio, or we're, we're really the leaders on Christian talk radio in just unpacking and keeping people informed on the abortion issue. And so when we, when we look at this, when, when we're, we're talking about this, and um, I just want to tell my producer, we are not live streaming. We, we do not have live stream over on the uh, Facebook page, um, which probably not on the YouTube either. So when we're talking about this and we're getting into the, the details of, 
of what exactly is happening here and what some Democrats are advocating for. And I understand it's not all Democrats. Every Democrat in America has not suddenly just woken up and said, yeah, infanticide, that's a thing. We should allow that. But people in leadership are saying it. People in positions of power are saying it. Uh, Governor Northam, he's still in power in Virginia. He's still hanging on. He's hoping if he just hangs on long enough, he can, you know, it'll go away. Let's let's let this let's let this die down. That's what he's hoping for. Um, It's not going to die down. At least I hope it's not. I hope people aren't going to give up on the idea that we need to not have anyone who's in leadership uh, saying that infanticide is a thing. So we're going to talk about that extreme week for the Democrats, and we'll take your calls, 866-963-2037. Okay, so we have YouTube. We do not have Facebook. So I'm just I'm just uh, checking in there. Um, so you can call into the show, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. So remember we've been talking about our goals for um, our partnership with India Partners, and I want you guys to hear something. This is really, it's heart-wrenching, but it's good um, because we're partnering for a reason, and I want you to hear it directly from the mouths of one of the survivors. It's a seven-year-old girl, and she's actually um, talking about her experience. I'd love to call up SPG3037 uh, for India Partners. Okay, so, oh, okay. We we do not have access to these because of some, we have something going on with audio today on the, and I forgot about that. So we, you won't be able to hear that today, but we'll play that audio for you tomorrow. In short, what we're asking you to do is to fund a day of safety for one of these children in Mumbai, India. You can go to AFR.net and do that. Um, that's my favorite way of getting the things done when we're partnering with ministries to get donations done. When you go to AFR.net, you'll find India Partners is right there at the top slider. You just click it, takes you right through, and in less than 60 seconds, your donation is processed and you're off on your merry way to do something else. We're asking for $7.08. That's two cups of regular coffee or one cup of fancy coffee um, for you to partner with us to save Uh, just one day of safety. So one day of safety for a child who's currently being rescued from sexual slavery in Mumbai, India, in their red light district. So we're partnering with them and we're so happy to have you on board. And we have already had so many people call in and really partner with us on this. And so we're asking you to do the same. So now I want to get to, um, I talked about God answering prayer. And so I talked a little bit about this on the show also um, a couple couple days ago, maybe it was the end of last week, where I was talking about our son having the negative medical diagnosis and how God has answered our prayers in us having a treatment plan for him, and he's feeling so much better. And I I didn't go into a ton of details. He's a teenager. I'm sure he doesn't want me to share too much. But I I want to encourage someone who's listening to the show today and thinking, you know, you're in the middle of something going on with your health or something going on with work or whatever the situation is, and you're super discouraged. And you're feeling like, you know, I prayed about this and I'm seeing nothing. Because I I know there were some moments in December when, honestly, I was so frustrated with the process, with dealing with some of the people. You know how you have to deal with everyone in a medical office. And usually it's the medical people, the, the, the workers in the office are fantastic and the doctor's not so great, or the doctor is fantastic and the people in the office aren't so great. And so this has been the case many times before. And I, you know, it's, I, it's not my first rodeo, 
But I was feeling super discouraged about the slowness and the ineptitude that I was seeing and people calling me and say, we have this result. And then, uh, you know, then you call them back and they're like, well, yeah, we, we don't. Or it's the same as last time. A lot of just, it seemed really discombobulated. And I remember at one point getting so angry and really, you know, let's be real here, lo- losing my temper and kind of being very direct about what I was looking to see next and making a whole bunch of phone calls. You know, sometimes you have to get out of your regular zone and do the legwork yourself. And in doing that, I was able to spur some movement on and we got to the next stage, which then opened the door for him to be feeling a lot better. But during all of that, I kept praying. So it wasn't that I lost my temper and I was just, you know, off in a corner kicking rocks or puppies. I was praying through it. Not to say that I do that every single time. Unfortunately, I don't. I don't. My, my first answer is not to pray every single time. I want it to be. One day, hopefully it will be. I'm working on that. But I want to encourage you, if you're in that frustrating moment or you're wondering, is God hearing these prayers? Because in the natural, this looks like horrible. This looks untenable. Don't fear. He is hearing your prayers. He is answering your prayers. And it doesn't always look the way we want it to look, but he's answering them. So I want to give you a couple of scriptures. So Luke eleven nine says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Again, in Matthew 7, 7, same exact sentiment. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and you, and it will be opened to you. John 16, 24 says, until now you have, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. So second answered prayer about another kid at our house. I've been praying for a very specific outcome and God totally answered my prayers last night to the point where, I mean, I, I, you know, let's be real here. I was sitting at the center Island with my little cup of hot tea and my laptop and I got a text message from one of our kids and I broke out crying and I just had to thank God in that moment because I knew that my, my prayer was literally answered. He he heard me. And so I prayed for, I don't know, three and a half months. Might be longer than that. I'd have to go back in my little prayer journal and take a look and see if I even wrote it down. But he answered it. So I, and, and I have other prayers that I've prayed that I have heard, no hide nor hair. So I'm in the waiting zone. But I want you to be encouraged and to know that God is for you. He answers prayer. And he's absolutely right now in this moment doing what needs to be done on your behalf. It just You just have to keep praying and walk it out. So be encouraged. Uh, we have some time left in the segment. And I, I have some audio from President Trump, but I want to get to the phones. Uh, David in Georgia, hey, thanks for calling the show today. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, not, a, not a long-time listener, but uh, I enjoy listening to you. Uh, I, I like your point of views. Thank you for listening. I uh, uh, was wondering if, you know, if these people are thinking about it, uh, you know, talking about infanticide, uh, what's to, you know, if it, if it was to be passed, if they were to start doing this, uh, what's to keep, uh, just say, Cuomo's mother from saying, hey, I made a mistake all those years ago. He's my son. Uh, I want to take him out. I know it's not an infant, but uh, same same principle. It's still a human being. Uh, what what does it matter what the age? She, he still came out of her, her womb 
she still has, you know, if they're saying she has the right to kill him after he comes out, then uh, what's time got to do with it? You know, it's a good question. <laughs> to be honest with you, David, I don't think people really are following this thing through to its natural conclusion. The, the, and you're making a point that I think a lot of us are, like a lot of people, I won't say us, but a lot of people are making this point in different ways. But the, the end point that David is making and that so many others have made is once you get on this side of the womb and you're able to say, you know what, I've changed my mind, I don't have this baby, or leave that baby there to die, then what's to say you can't say at two years old, you know, this child isn't working out the way I thought they would, I'm going to go ahead and just let it die. You know, where does it stop? And for most people, they're horrified and they refuse to believe that this will, this is where it goes. But if you look back in the Bible, when people were routinely sacrificing babies to idols, they were sacrificing babies. They were also sacrificing kids. You, you see what I'm saying? It was child sacrifice. There was no delineation. Oh, this baby is, you know, this many months old. And that's why it's so ludicrous that we say you can have an abortion when a baby is 24 weeks, but you can't have one when it's, you know, 40 weeks. And that's why they're pushing for this because it doesn't make any sense. If it's a baby at, uh, you know, seven months of gestational age and you're in the hospital and, you're, and your doctor is having surgery on the baby while it's in your womb to save its life or to correct something that's gone wrong or to save your life and the life of the baby, then how is it that that's not a viable human being? Why would insurance cover operations on something that's not viable, that's not valuable, that doesn't have worth? Insurance companies spend multiple hundreds of millions of dollars a year on operating on babies and to, you know, prenatal care, all of that stuff so that people can get, carry their baby to full term. A woman can carry the baby to full term and have it. I just, it doesn't make any sense. We'll be back with more. Um, I heard the music. I'm not sure how close we are to the break here, but we're going to have Corey Lewandowski coming up next. He's going to give us some uh, preview on the State of the Union and more on Stacy on the right. Go to urbanfamilytalk.com, AFR.net to find out more about what we're doing and um, to check in with us, go to StacyOnTheRight.com and hit the subscribe button. And if you're not doing the newsletter, I'm doing a little blast now. I did the uh, interview from Governor Huckabee yesterday, and that was in an email blast to people who subscribe to the blog. And if you've subscribed, please open up those emails. They're super short, and they usually have fun information in there for you to check on. We'll be back with more right after this. Hello, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, on our spiritual heritage tour of Washington, D.C., we go to the Supreme Court. That's one of the places we go on, on day one, and we visit the inside chambers. We go to where the justices sit, and it's an amazing place to visit, the Supreme Court of the United States. We don't just look at the outside. We go the inside and see where the justices sit and where oral arguments are heard. So that's just one of the places we visit on one of the days when Washington, D.C. And we also go to Mount Vernon, the home of George and Martha Washington. So we're going in June, we're going in September. June's almost full. September will be filling up soon. If you want more information on this Spiritual Heritage Tour, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. 
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a legacy moment. My dear old tough dad was a real soft touch when it came to my sisters. Often they would get out of hot water, even get what they wanted, by kind of sweet-talking the old guy. They'd rub the bald spot on his head and say nice things and tell him how great a dad he was. Well, he knew he was being had, but it worked. It used to floor me, too, because dad was no pushover. Flattery has always been a very powerful tool to manipulate people, and Christians aren't immune to it. There's a very subtle, insidious thing that can happen, especially to those of us who are concerned about impacting an unbelieving world. We need to be careful about being driven by audience response. In our desire to be liked and accepted, we can't allow where unbelievers are to determine the content or truth that we give them. There's a telling passage in Acts chapter 14. God used the Apostle Paul to perform an incredible miracle, and the people responded with a wonderful compliment. Verse 12, Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Talk about flattery. Now listen to verses 14 and 15. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. See, they refused to let their compliments, their nice statements, take them away from the integrity of the gospel they were preaching. Here's what I want you to remember today. It's wonderful to have nice things said about us, but at what cost? We must always maintain the integrity and purity of our message without compromise. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for being with us today. Go to StacyOnTheRight.com and hit the subscribe button. And uh, we are so excited about having our next guest. He's been on the program before. Uh, awesome author, and he does political analysis. And really, uh, we, we're so happy to have him come on today and give us his State of the Union items. So we have Corey Lewandowski, former Trump campaign manager and author of Trump's Enemies, How the Deep State is Undermining the Presidency. Hey, Corey, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you today? You know... The sun's not out. I'm in, I'm in the Midwest. I'm in Missouri. So, but it's 32 degrees, and after negative 24 last week, I'm just learning to count my blessings. I did not button my jacket. I didn't wear gloves. I just act like a normal person, and I went out, and I'm back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to live. <laughs> well, what the president is going to talk about tonight is how he solved the ability of global warming in the last two years because it was so cold where you are. With that deep freeze, it's one of the many things that he got done over the last few years. He doesn't get credit for, right? We had a slow in your air. <laughs> I'm with you. I whatever he's going to say, I we we know Maxine Waters doesn't want him to say it because she's begging Americans not to watch. It, it's amazing. Look, you know, <laughs> our country is better today than it was two years ago. We're stronger. We're more prosperous. We're more well respected on the national stage. And for, to have a senior member of Congress say not to watch the president give a State of the Union address that is going to update the American people of all our successes just goes to show you how partisan, how broken Washington, D.C. is. And this president's done everything he can to reach across the partisan divide 
to say let's solve problems together. And the Democrats, some are going to boycott the speech tonight, and others are going to encourage people not to watch it. And really, the American people don't win when that happens. No, and and so – I mean, I think most people will hear that Maxine Waters doesn't want them to watch, but it's like saying, you know, don't watch something that could possibly be a train wreck. I think a lot of liberals feel like the president's going to fall on his face tonight. Now, you and I know he's prepared for this speech. He was born for this storm and he's ready to tackle this issue. In fact, he's really been trying to no avail to negotiate with people who don't want to see him solve this issue. But there's more than that. There's a huge number of jobs that have been created in the past year. If we just talk about the past year for the president and we look at what's happened to the American people, as you point out, it's been largely successful for him. He's gotten a bump in the polls, too. He's back up at 48 percent. Well, that's right. And look, I was with the president yesterday at the White House. I had a briefing to preview the State of the Union. There was a small group of us that went there. We heard directly from the president, directly from the vice president, 5.2 million new jobs created in the first two years, 600,000 manufacturing jobs, okay? The lowest unemployment for African-Americans and Hispanic Americans in the history of our country. More Americans working today than ever. And people should be proud of that. We're creating wealth again. Our economy is growing. Renegotiating bad trade deals because we've been taking advantage of it for too long brings those manufacturing jobs back. When you, you know, I lived in the Midwest. You know how it is there, right? Mm. They are the backbone of our country. We have to make sure that we have a steel industry and a coal industry and industries that are producing things because, God forbid, anything bad happen, we can't rely on China to take care of us. And that's what this president has done in these last two years is bring those jobs back that Barack Obama said couldn't be done. So let's dig in a little bit here on the the actual the the big issue is the border. And I know you've seen there's a couple of different proposals, ideas floating around. One is obviously brought up by the president numerous times, national emergency declaration. But that one will tie the entire issue up in the courts because of course the Democrats have already got their briefs ready. They're they're ready to file and tie it up and put it to the Ninth Circuit and get a national injunction, et cetera. We know their routine. But there's also the ability to declare the the cartels, the drug cartels, declare them uh, terrorist organizations, and then he's able to use a whole bevy of options that don't need congressional approval. Do you think the president might be pondering that as well, that other option? Well, I can tell you this. Uh, the issue on our southern border is a humanitarian crisis, is a crisis of epic proportions. It's a national security issue. And this president was clear on the campaign trail and now as the President of the United States, that he will do anything it takes to protect American people from people coming in illegally. And look, the, the flow of fentanyl into our country through the southern border, 90% of it is coming in there. We know that for sure. We know that people are crossing back and forth from the border almost at free will. They're committing crimes in the United States. This president has said, you don't want to call it a wall. You want to call it a barrier, a blockade. I don't care what you call it. It's going to protect Americans. He's going to do that, and that means every potential use of his power. And he has been very, very cautious of not declaring uh, this presidential emergency, which has been used 52 different occasions since Jimmy Carter, 17 by Bill Clinton alone, six of which are still in effect today. This president hasn't done that because he's tried to negotiate with the Democrats. He's tried to reach out and said, what is it you want to give me the money we need to protect our country? And he's come up with an obstinate Nancy Pelosi who said she's willing to give $1 for border security. 
go back and ask Officer Singh if one dollar is enough for his life. On Friday, uh, Dave Bossy and I were in Michigan, and we saw the Terry family, whose whose brother was a, 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 a border patrol agent who was killed in the line of duty. And you ask them, "Do walls work? Would you like to see our border secure?" They say, "You bet on it." And we do anything to have our family member back. Nancy Pelosi's disgusting notion of a dollar is shameful to every man and woman who's been killed in this country or the victim of a crime for people who are in this country illegally. And the president's going to stop it. All right. I, I'm glad that the, the resolve that he shared with you all in the State of the Union preview, that, that, that's very heartening. I'm excited about hearing him tonight. Um, there's another issue that was just recently we had uh, Secretary Pompeo coming out and talking about the U.S. arms treaty we have with Russia. It's an intermediate-range nuclear forces treaty, and we've just recently pulled out of it. And, and the announcement was made, of course, the same old, tired you know, refrain of wails and gnashing of teeth from Democrats and people like that. But I, in reading about it, Corey, I really felt like, you know, this is overdue. I can't believe that Barack Obama, with his warmongering self, that he didn't do it. Um, we're, do you see him talking about this tonight as well? Well, the president's speech tonight is going to be probably 40% on foreign policy because we've had some significant successes around the globe. But what the president is also going to say is when he came into office, our partners, our friends, our allies around the world weren't paying their fair share to NAFTA. Uh, they're not, I'm sorry, to NATO. They're now paying that. It's $100 billion of new revenue that they have paid that we don't have to pay. That's number one. Number two, the United States cannot be the police force of the world. He's going to talk about our troop drawdown in Afghanistan, in Syria, in Iraq. And what's amazing to me now is that the Democratic Party is chastising this president for trying to bring our men and women home from being in harm's way that no longer have a strategic value to us. That's not to say we don't keep a quick reactionary force there and use our special forces when necessary. But to, by and large, bring our men and women back to our soil where they belong should be applauded. And now the Democrats are the parties of the warmongers, if you can believe this. And the president's going to point out that hypocrisy tonight. And he's going to fulfill the campaign pledge, which he said is to end the war in Afghanistan that we've been fighting for 17 years. It's time to bring our men and women home. So there's a lot of Americans on both sides of the political aisle who are going to be supercharged to hear that. And I know that... Conventional wisdom is that we can't we can't ever pull out of a war. You know, once we start in a conflict, we got to stay there forever. We can't ever pull out. And I, I get it. And I've heard from the experts and we've interviewed a lot of people on the show who've explained, you know, the thought process behind that. But nothing is more real than Americans who have family members who are serving overseas and they don't see an end to being there. They don't see a point to being there other than us spilling our blood and treasure and trillions of American taxpayer dollars over there. So I think people are really going to be excited to hear him reiterate those. They're, they're, they're things that he promised on the campaign trail, right? Well, they are. And look, it's very important, not only the trillions of American dollars that we spent over there, the thousands of American lives, the tens of thousands of soldiers maimed uh, over there. But, you know, here's the other thing. Just because the intelligence community doesn't say we should do it doesn't mean they're always right. You know, let me go back to the weapons of mass destruction that the intelligence community was 100% sure was there when Colin Powell went and said that to the U.N. only to find out that they weren't. This president is a man who does not take for granted whatever they say. He challenges their assertions. He questions why we have to continue to be in Iraq and Afghanistan 
and Syria. He says, why do we need deployments that long? What are we getting out of 17 years in a foreign conflict? I don't understand. Explain it to me. And the generals can't stand it because they're used to doing things a certain, a certain way. 30 years of Washington dogma has saddled them with more money, more troops, more pain for Americans over there. This president says enough is enough, and it's time to bring our men and women who serve in our uniforms home. I agree. Um, so I'm also seeing from Bloomberg, they've just sent out this huge, uh, it's, a, it's a story and it's being featured on Twitter. And if you're just tuning into the show, we are enjoying hearing our, he's basically coming straight hot, hot out of the White House with a pre-State of the Union briefing with the President of the United States, a very small group of people. And he's taken some time out, Corey Lewandowski, to join the show today to kind of give us a preview of what's happening tonight. I know if you guys are like me, I've already bought my brie and my little special three kinds of crackers and some candied walnuts. I'm going to arrange those onto a tiny tray and I'm taking those as my bringing in, you know, for the hostess who's hosting us tonight because we're watching the State of the Union at a State of the Union watch party at someone's house. And so if you're like me, you're, you're, you're waiting for this thing tonight. So Corey's here today talking to us about that. Bloomberg is reporting that President Trump will not declare a national emergency in the State of the Union tonight. I kind of think that's wise. How do you feel about like the, the whole national emergency declaration? Well, look, I'll tell you, um, you know, Dave and I have this great podcast. It's called From Deep in the Swamp. We talk about what we heard coming out of the White House, and we talk specifically about this issue of a national emergency. And while it has been used on 52 occasions since Jimmy Carter Every president since Carter has declared national emergencies on things. Bill Clinton declared 17 of them, six of which are still in effect today, 20 years after his administration has ended. Nobody ever gave it a blank until this president wants to do it. Now, I think this is not the right venue for this. Uh, I think the president should be conciliatory. He should be uh, forward-facing. He should be visionary. He should do what Ronald Reagan did and say, the best days of America are in front of us. And that's what he's going to do. This is not a speech for political rhetoric, or to declare that national emergency. But what it is an opportunity for the president to do is to outline the reason, if he needs to do it, why that is, which is the crime and the drugs coming across the border, the human smuggling, the humanitarian crisis, which we have on our southern border, the national security emergency we have there. This is an opportunity to outline for the American people how serious that issue is, to ask the Democrats to join with him, to build that wall and to give them another opportunity before the February 15th deadline comes where they have to close the government again because the Democrats, the Democrats had not negotiated in good faith. So I don't think he's going to declare the national emergency tonight, but he's going to lay out the case of if he needs to, why he will do it. I'm loving this. So um, I, I first want to give, could you tell people where they can find the podcast? Because I didn't know you and Dave were doing one. <laughs> Well, look, I'll tell you, it's, it's so exciting because this is almost our very first podcast. But because it's the State of the Union, right, we wanted to do it to preview. You know, if you go to Apple and, and iPod Play, iPlay, and, you know, every basic podcast place you can go to, you can go and download it. It's free, of course. Uh, okay. It's called From Deep in the Swamp. And Dave and I do about 35 minutes today coming out of the White House, talking about our conversation with the president, talking about what's going to be in the preview to the State of the Union speech, and uh, look, it's an exciting thing, and it's really important for the American people to understand where the president is coming from. He is fully locked in to, under, to knowing how big this speech is for him. So he's going to talk about safe and legal immigration. He's going to talk about protecting American workers. He's going to talk about 
the rebuilding of America, an infrastructure protection project. He's going to talk about the cost of health care, the ability to uh, get drugs legally cheaper, generics, speed up the FDA process so people can have the best health care in the world. And he's going to talk about Americans' national security and, and the fights that we have engaged in around the world. The big theme coming into the State of the Union tonight is going to be called Choosing Greatness. And let me just give you one line from the speech that I've had the privilege of having it. Oh, wow. The president's going to say, together, we can break decades of political stalemate. We can bridge old divisions, heal old wounds, build new coalitions, forge new solutions, and unlock the extraordinary promise of America's future. The decision is ours to make. This is a speech that is uplifting. It is exciting. It's visionary. And it's going to last about an hour long. And I'll tell you, your listeners, the viewers are going to be in for a special, special night tonight. Well, you know what? We have already had a preview of the special night and a little bit of, I'd, I'd say, a, a jolt of Lewandowski specialness right here on the show. I want to say thanks, Corey, for joining in today and for giving us the preview, especially a line from the speech. Um, I know you're busy, and we really we appreciate your time today. Well, thank you. It's always my pleasure. I hope to be back soon. All right. Talk to you again soon, Corey. That's Corey Lewandowski, former Trump campaign manager, author of Trump's Enemies, How the Deep State is Undermining the Presidency. And I think it's so cool that he got to go in and get a little preview uh, at the White House. And so, you know, we got to get on that cool list. But I guess the only way to do it is to be like a former campaign manager (laughs) or someone who worked on the campaign. Awesome that we have access to him and that he's great. He just comes on the show, um, which is fantastic. So, I wanted to, I don't know if we still have people who held on and we just have a minute left. What we'll do is if you're holding on, please stick there for me. We're going to take calls in the third segment. I have like um, less than like 30 seconds off here right now. Um, And I want to say thank you so much for actually calling into the show. And if you've emailed and if I haven't responded to you, it's not intentional. I've been going through and responding to emails from people who've emailed. Um, and so I'm so appreciative of people who reach out to me and, and send encouragement. People have been so kind uh, in email. Thank you so much for that. And also, I want to mention that we have this fantastic conference coming up later in the year, the Marriage and Family Conference, the same one we did last year. Um, so I would encourage you to definitely go to urbanfamilytalk.com and check that out. Um, the Marriage and Family Conference will be held in Tupelo again, and we're going to be so excited to have you there. So guess what? That's music. We'll have the third segment with your calls right after this, 866-963-2037. Be right back. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. My wife, Lauren, started an annual tradition with our family and friends who gather at our home during Thanksgiving. She asked us all to select a scripture verse and share something that we're thankful for. My verse was Philippians 1.3. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Thanksgiving is a time of reflection upon the past and a reminder that God has again been ever so faithful. The simple things of life are brought into clear focus. Giving thanks has a way of blocking out the selfishness and focusing on a spirit of gratitude, love, and joy. Today, why not give thanks to God for all that He's provided? New York Times bestselling author, Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. 
Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. There are many ways you can listen to the shows of Urban Family Talk. One of those ways is through our very own app. Whether you have an iPhone or an Android, just go to the App Store and search for Urban Family Talk. You'll have immediate access to 24-hour programming as well as the podcast for each show. You'll be able to tune in no matter where you are. Speaking of tuning in, we have our own channel on another radio app called TuneIn. Cool, right? Urban Family Talk is everywhere. Just download the app and take us wherever you go. There has not yet been made the correlation between our social starvation and the spiritual departure from God. Dr. Tony Evans says we poison the pot when we add worldly ingredients to the Lord's recipe. And until the cause is addressed, the cure cannot be experienced. Uncovering the problems and solutions related to race, culture, and Christ. This week on The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans. Securing America. The nation's war on opioid addiction is playing out on the southern border and in the courts. The Drug Enforcement Agency says it seized more than 50 million pounds of illicit drugs at the border over the past two years. Vice President Mike Pence. 90% of heroin that claims 300 lives every single week in overdoses across this country comes through our southern border. Speaking at the DEA, the vice president again called for tighter border security to help stop the flow of illegal drugs. We hear the tragic stories every day in every community of this country of drug abuse, addiction, overdose. Meanwhile, Insys Therapeutics and its founder, John Kapoor, are on trial in Boston in an alleged kickback scheme to persuade doctors to prescribe an addictive fentanyl spray. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth, would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? My bill would allow that, yes. The infant would be delivered, uh, the infant would be kept comfortable, and then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So for people out there who like their insurance, well, they don't get to keep it? Let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. You see Israel Institute um, law that, that recognizes it as a, as, a, as a Jewish state, and we still uphold it as a democracy in the Middle East. I almost chuckled. Capitalism without rules is theft. So what I believe is capitalism with serious rules. I do think a system that allows billionaires to exist mm. when there are parts of Alabama where, where people are still getting ringworm because they don't have access to public health mm -hmm. is wrong. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. Don't help elect Trump, you egotistical billionaire. So that is uh, a little mashup by the award-winning Washington Free Beacon of the extreme comments made just last week by Democrats. This is not a mashup of comments from olden days or months and months ago. This is just a week's worth of their comments, ranging on subjects like abortion, Israel as a democratic state, as opposed to comparisons of Israel to Iran, and all of the other things that you just heard there. Crazy pants, pants on fire crazy, uh, you know, hair on fire crazy, crazier than a bag of cats crazy. That's what we've heard from the Democrats just last week. 
Uh, let's go to the phones. We have Connie in Texas. Hey, Connie, thanks for calling into the show today. Oh, thank you, Stacy. Thank you for everything you do and the boldness and just you tell it like it is. Thanks. And thank you so much. Uh, my comment is simply that uh, on this abortion issue where they talk about uh, the baby is delivered and then the doctor and the mother, you know, decide what they uh, to do. Well, when a baby's in the womb, they call it abortion. But I believe that if the baby's outside the womb and laying somewhere to be made comfortable, I would consider that murder. Mm -hmm. And why can't they just say it like that? Because that's what it, it's not an abortion. It's murder. This child has been delivered. It's murder. I mean, and it's, it is. it's, it's a shame and it's murder. I'm with you. I mean, it really, it's chilling. I, I, part of last week I spent, I really just was, I was so shell shocked that Democrats were openly supporting this. And I, I'm telling you, Connie, I, I understand the depravity of, you know, supporting abortion. I used to be someone who, well, I, you know, I don't recommend it and I don't think it should be done a lot, but some people have the right to do that. And I was, you know, I was, I was in my twenties, I didn't know much. And I, I really felt like, you know, I'm a Democrat and that's what they're advocating for. But it's it's different when you see someone like Governor Northam, who is a he's actually a doctor, a neurologist, and he's an older man with children. Uh, I don't know if he has grandchildren. I haven't looked up his Wikipedia, but I know he has you know, he's he's a family person. And I just I'm really surprised that other people who do have kids, some of them, you know, you, you have people with pregnant women in their families advocating for this. I've just, it really, it's upsetting. And I, I heard the emotion in your voice and I felt the same way. I, I feel like it's some kind of like horrible, you know, horrible, like you, you're in a nightmare and then you think to yourself in the nightmare, I need to wake up, but then you don't. And so you're still in the nightmare for a while. You know, the trick is if you're having a nightmare is to say, this isn't real. I want to wake up, but you have to realize you're in a nightmare first. It's like, we're in a nightmare and we're yelling. I want to wake up and, and. Every day we just get up. It's the same old, same old Americans advocating for killing babies out at, after they're born. I mean, we're talking about have, have you the last time we saw a baby uh, together, my husband and I were at the doctor with our son and we were in the pediatric wing of the hospital. And so in the testing area, they have all ages of kids in there getting blood work drawn. And this guy comes in with this adorable little baby in one of those pumpkin seats and I just glanced over, and before I knew it, I was just staring at the, at the baby. Now, this is a bigger baby, but the point is, once a baby is out of the womb and laying there, how can you say that's an abortion? You can't. And so I just feel like, you know, I, we always talk on the show about disillusionment. We talk about being disillusioned and being mature Christians and knowing that evil and depravity exist in this world and knowing the only answer is a Savior. But you get to a place where you're kind of like, is this real is this what we're really arguing about, whether or not you can kill a baby on the warming table, you know, or in an abortion clinic, if a baby's born alive instead of aborted, if someone messes something up, which means it was a baby before it was born. I mean, we, we can't believe that in the birth canal, it suddenly magically becomes a baby. We know what we're doing here. We know it. The people who are advocating for it know it. The question is, which, which of us is going to stop it? How, which of us is going to gather together and stop it? I just, uh. So I, I want to remind you that the Gosnell movie is out on DVD. Remember we said it was coming out on the 5th. Today is the 5th. 
It's coming out. So y'all, you know, get your get your little hot hands on that puppy. It's important. Um, and I'm going to put the little graphic up there. Gosnell is the trial of America's biggest serial killer. Uh, the movie is Changing Hearts and Minds on Abortion. You can order your DVD now on Amazon, Best Buy, or, and Walmart.com. And I don't normally advertise for Amazon, Best Buy, and Walmart, but I want y'all to know where to get this. Please consider buying the DVD. I know for so many other things, if you're like us, you know, you, you spend a little bit of your budget on consuming some kind of entertainment. This is worth the money. I've seen it. You're not going to be happy when you get done seeing it, but you will be acquainted with this evil and you will be better equipped to pray if you haven't seen the movie already. And I encourage you, if you're going to watch it, you know, watch it with your teenagers, watch it with your, your adult children, watch it with a friend who may be on the fence about abortion. Just pray the Lord will lead your, your, he will direct you into who to invite over to see it with you or to maybe give them the DVD. Uh, But watching it with them is, in my opinion, it's better because you can then there may be questions that you can answer. I'm, and, and this is a, this is heart work because it's so hard to watch, but I watched it and I survived. And so you can do it too. Um, you know, I, I'm a total cream puff when it comes to movies. I can barely stomach anything rated R, but this movie's not rated R. So don't, don't worry about that. Uh, let's continue on with the phones. I, I want to get to y'all and especially you've been holding, holding on since uh, Corey was on the show with us. Wendy. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. Yes. Hello. Hi. I listen to you all the time. This is the first time I've called. Oh, thanks for calling in. Um, yeah, I was just listening to your previous caller about the abortion, and I'm a, uh, a, a lot with her as far as the afterbirth abortion. I just, after a baby is born, how is it aborted? Yeah, it's not an abortion. That doesn't make sense to me. It's not an abortion. It is murder. And, you know, aborting a baby late in pregnancy, any time in pregnancy is murder also. It's a baby, not a fetus. It is. It is. And fetus is just Latin for baby. So, I mean, I used to get really offended when people would say fetus, but fetus is Latin for baby. So there's no reason for us to use the Latin when we speak English and everybody understands it. You are so right. It's a baby. Um we we got to stop using these euphemisms and start talking the truth about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I carried my second child full term, had no idea before she was born that she would be born with problems. And I have a son that was four when she was born. And she, my daughter was born with a small, a severely small head an underdeveloped brain, and she lived for nine months. Mm. Now, if they have done ultrasound earlier in the pregnancy, they would have probably wanted me to abort her if they had, but I wasn't considered a high-risk pregnancy, so they did not do any ultrasound after the initial ultrasound at three or four months along, and I was fine then. Right. If they had measured her head later on in the pregnancy, I'm sure that they would have been shocked. So I'm just, things do go wrong during pregnancy. And yes, she is. She lived for nine months and passed away. But I don't ever, you know, even in losing a baby, it wasn't me that killed her. And I would have, you know, I could not have aborted her. 
not even even if I knew what was wrong with her before she what had been born. Well, you got to spend nine so, months with her, and then, you know, now she's with Jesus. So it's it's the way it's supposed to be, and it, it's heartbreaking. And I'm so sorry for your loss. But your your testimony here is what people need to hear. People need to understand that this is what we're called to. Life isn't perfect. We don't, we you know we must watch too much TV to think that babies can never ever have anything wrong with them, and that everyone is supposed to have a perfect family with no one has anything wrong with them. No, not even a crooked finger or you know a crooked fingernail. That's just not reality. Um, and what you're sharing is just it's it's what we need to hear. Thank you so much for calling and sharing that with us. Um, okay. We still have time because I want to get to, uh, the people who've called in and Janet, thank you. Thank you for calling the show today. Yes. Stacy. Um, I've been listening to your program. First time I've called into your program and thank you. And I want to say thank you for serving our country. Oh, thank you. Um, for, I might uh, get a little tonight. emotional. I just attended here recently a funeral of one of our sergeants, uh, 75th Ranger Regiment, 2nd Battalion. He uh, was killed in Afghanistan, mm. and I just recently attended his funeral. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I got to serve with some of our military men there, and also another young man. I said, are you part of the family? And he said, no, I just lost my brother. He said he was also killed. And I said, I want to tell you something. I thank you. I thank you, brother. He's passed away. Of course, he got killed. But I said, I want to tell you, I'm taking a stand for the Lord in our nation, for all your brother and this young man fought defending. And if our elected officials from across this land would understand and take serious their pledge, to uphold and honor our Constitution, which the Declaration of Independence is the birth certificate of our nation that acknowledges the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the Constitution was formed to uphold those unalienable rights, to honor God and what God has given us. Our liberties come from the Lord. That's right. And our troops fight defending our foundation and freedom. And uh, anyway, I just want to say life begins at the point of conception. DNA, if they want to check it out, it's there. Every bit of a little baby is there. It's just the maturing part. But every life is precious. I'm extremely pro-life in where the little feet, 10 weeks in the mother's womb, actual size. I woke, I mean, I really, when they see that little pen, I'll show them. I said, that's 10 weeks. If they're feet are perfectly formed at 10 weeks, the rest of them is perfectly formed as well, and at six weeks, the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And I said, life is precious. It is. And, uh, we must take a stand. All across this nation, I speak, let's take a stand for the Lord and for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you, Janet. Thank you so much. And uh, your emotion is dead on here, um, not just because we, we have people dying to support and defend the constitution of this country and they're coming home draped under the flag and they're, they're literally going on to be with the Lord. These people, they've served us and we're over here arguing about whether or not we can snuff a baby out on the table after the baby's been born. 
that's just ludicrous, especially when there's so many families out there who, if they knew there was a newborn baby they could get their hands on to raise as their own, they would do anything to get their hands on that baby. They want babies. So it, it's, I mean, it's, it's almost like you're there, you're trying to abort a baby and the baby survives and you're like, well, we're just going to leave it here to die. Why? When there's someone who'll take the baby and raise it up and you never have to hear from the baby again. And the, the family will love this baby. There's so many people out there who are desperate for a newborn baby. Uh, it's, just, it's just crazy that we're even arguing about this. And uh, James in Missouri, we, I want to take your call, but we got to be super quick. What's your comment? Okay. Um, first of all, it, the number one cause of, of death in the world is not uh, abortion. It's premeditated murder, and they disguise it by calling it abortion. And it's murder but the point of conception that God allows a soul to be in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a heinous thing that this country is falling into to allow this country to fall into murdering babies in any form pre-birth or after birth, and it's going to keep, they're going to keep pulling the line away from, from birth to being too old and everything else mm-hmm. included it's in true. that. And if we could it's just true. call them puppies, maybe the animal rights activists would get involved and stop it. Oh, you know what? Because th- just think about what they're now doing to people for abusing animals, and I'm, I'm against that. You shouldn't abuse animals, but how can we kill a baby but have laws on the books that you can't even abuse an animal? Things are out of whack, people. All right. If you're leaving us now, God bless. Have a fantastic afternoon. Enjoy the 32-degree weather. I know I am. After negative 24, I'm strong. (laughs) And if you're sticking around, we have more news and information from onenewsnow.com at the top of the hour. Um, So keep it here.